Hello, my name is Adam Taft-Lambert, and you are listening to the Good Market Live podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Good Market Live. If this is your first time tuning in, from all of us here at Good Market, we're glad you made it. You belong here. For this episode of Good Market Live, Harry and I are speaking with Nancy Binger, the multi-hyphenate creator of the Most Wanted series of children's books. Most Wanted is an incredibly charming book series aimed at entertaining and educating children about the lives of their beloved furry friends. During our conversation, Nancy details the path that got her from the pinnacle of the retail world to a producer of her own children's book series. She talks about the importance of creativity in a child's life and explains why it's never too late to make your dreams come true. We're so happy to have you join us on this episode of Good Market Live as we showcase another amazing story from our community of creators dedicated to doing good. First off, we are here with Nancy Binger, uh, founder of NB Kids and the author of the Most Wanted series. Uh, thank you very much for taking the time to be on Good Market Live. We're really happy to have you on. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Harry. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Nancy. Glad to have uh, you with us today. Definitely. So the, the way that we really like to start things is, is what we call the good start. And it's really just a sort of a background, how you got to where you're going um, or where you are what uh, what the impetus was for MB Kids and, and writing the children's book. So really the, the start is, where Me. did you get started? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's easy. Um, I've always loved animals and I've always loved art. Um, originally when I was growing up, I thought maybe I'd be a veterinarian. And I even interned with our local vet for a little while. And I actually spent two years at um, Ohio State University in a biochemistry pre-vet uh, curriculum. And then I'd also, like I said, always loved art. And I took as one of my extra classes, a fine arts drawing class. And I had two prof- professors who literally changed my life and changed the course of my life. So when they tell you, you know, teachers can make a difference, they really <laughs> are kidding. So. Um, you had to be one of the only high. MFA, like art and veterinarian classes at Ohio State, right? <laughs> it's probably not a big, big candidate pool. I was in the women's glee club too. So I kind of <laughs> also did piano. So I was kind of all over the place. I'll leave Does it that, Will you sing a little for us today too, or no? We'll save that <laughs> no, for an episode too. So. No. <laughs> no, this is not a karaoke program. Of <laughs> <laughs> all your podcast viewers, like shut it off immediately. So <laughs> I'm enthusiastic in a crowd of voices. How's that? So um, anyway, so those um, my teachers pulled me aside and they and they didn't understand why I wasn't pursuing art. And, you know, growing up in a small town, you kind of think, well, my options are very limited in an art background. And they convinced me to go take a look at a number of art schools. And my parents were really wonderful and supportive and helped me do that. So we, um, I ended up at Columbus College of Art and Design and, you know, created an amazing career from that experience. So um, I spent most of my career in retail and 25 years of it at Victoria's Secret stores, where I spent most of the last decade of my time there as vice president of uh, creative brand and services for Victoria's Secret stores, lingerie, beauty, and sport. And it was a great career. And from there, I've stayed in retail. But what I find is really wonderful um, today, and, and, and I guess it's one of the great opportunities for all of us living in this time, is that we have the opportunities to be able to explore additional interest and additional career paths. So, you know, at a certain point, um, as my mom would say to me, like, do you really want to sell underwear your entire life, Nancy? Uh, (laughs) No, I went to school to be an illustrator. I love animals. And I decided that I would take some time and create, you know, follow a lifelong dream and wrote uh, the first book in this series. So Most Wanted the Sock Thief. And it's really, ba- it was based on the little dog that we have in the background here. 
named Noah <laughs> who loves to steal socks and he's really amazing at it. So, um, and in writing that story, you know, everything's a journey. So started out writing just a simple story, thought that would be all it would be. But at the same time, realized that, you know, we had another dog that we got named Flynn, who's a 90 pound golden doodle and where Noah could be really fun running around the house, chasing socks and putting little holes in the heels and the toes. If Flynn got hold of those socks, then he would swallow them. And about a week later, he would kind of cack it up like a cat who <laughs> had a bone or something. Stuck. And then just come out in this big mushy pile. And that was, <laughs> but what I realized, is that some of these zany behaviors that our pets do that can be really entertaining can also be in some ways very life-threatening to your pets. So the simple story turned into the idea of the entire series, which then turned into the idea of splitting these books into four sections and creating each of them as an opportunity to not only entertain, but also to engage and then also to teach a young audience about these behaviors of our pets and the things they do, why they do them, and how to do some simple care for them. So in each of the books, uh, there's a fun rhyming story. And then there's a section where I partnered with our local family vet, Dr. Jeffrey Harrison, to tell us a little bit about why our pets do the things that they do. I mean, it's really fun and interesting to find those things out, especially young kids, and, and they love to engage in that. And then also to teach them just some simple things to be aware of, you know, to be careful because we don't want to cause harm to our pets. Uh, the third part of each of the books is an activity. So each book has a different section that's meant to kind of engage. Uh, there's in one book, it's all about a cut out um, card matching game where you match up the sock pairs. Another book has a kind of connect the your dog to their favorite ball toy. And then the last book, The Ribbon Robber, is about a cat. And in the back of that book, uh, you can actually cut out a puzzle, put it together, and then flip the pieces over and then put it together again. So it's kind of a two for one. And you get to also find all the things that this cat has hidden in her water bowl. And then the last <laughs> part of the books is that you get to meet the real life stars. You get to meet the real life characters that are in the stories. And, you know, and, and it's sort of funny how that worked out because in the Sock Thief, there's a main character and that's it. That's Noah. In the Ribbon Robber, it's Aggie, our cat, who had two surgeries for eating ribbons. So there's a really good oh, story. Gosh. And then the third story, you know, the second story, The Ball Bandit, is about our dog, Flynn. And I told some of my friends, I said, well, you know, he's going to be stealing all these little balls and toys from other dogs. I'll put your dog in the book. Well, that book ended up with 18 dogs in it. <laughs> that was so, and again, you know, the four sections of the book are really kind of were inspired by having to travel with our young daughter while she was growing up. She, you know, her attention span for any one thing might be 10, 15, 20 minutes. But what's fun about these books is that no matter what age a child is, whether they're really young or, you know, up through fourth grade, they can engage in different sections of the books at different times and it keeps sure. them occupied and, and they love to do that. Um, so yeah, that's it. And then the overarching title, the, the most wanted theme, uh, it was really, you know, came about because quite simply, as I tell kids when I do elementary school readings, you know, sometimes our pets do things that frustrate us or are doing things that maybe could be harmful to them. Hence, they're most wanted. And there's a little most wanted like, illustration of them. They're wearing a little mask and they're little yeah. bandit thieves and robbers. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we all love our pets. And so they're really most wanted in so many ways to us personally. Definitely. So cool. Hey, um, Nancy, I, I wanted to ask you a little bit um, because we were talking early on uh, about the, the dogs and then you added the cat in. Um, these are all three your pets, yes? Yes, they are. Yes. And how many more pets do you have besides those? It's just these three right now. <laughs> so um, I was actually though that um once this with this series this might be wrapped up on this idea but i have another series for another most wanted direction and i have plenty of friends who are willing to 
share their their uh, pets with me to help create it. <laughs> at least cool. another so seventeen dogs. Yeah, at, at least, least another like... seventeen dogs and <laughs> other critters as well. So yeah, I yeah. think that series might be more around the idea of uh, pets that do good or pets that you know have special talents and how you know they really add to our our lives. So you we you know even up here at Schweitzer, where we're currently living. Sorry for all of you on the podcast, but I'm up here in Sandpoint, Idaho. And they have a mountain resort here called Schweitzer, but we have three avalanche dogs there. And, oh, wow. you know, yeah, so there's these amazing things that, that pets do besides steel socks, ribbons, and other dogs. Sure. <laughs> one, one of my two actually is now an alarm clock. So we can oh. tell her to go wake up the kids and she goes running up the stairs and jumps and wakes up the kids in the morning. So, um, you know what, that's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> She just kind of picked that up on her own. We started taking her upstairs and saying, hey, let's go wake up the kids. And now we just like one one morning, I, I don't remember which one of us said it, but somebody said, Dottie, go wake up Millie and Oliver. And up the stairs she went and <laughs> did her thing. So now we don't even have to go upstairs anymore. She's like a built-in four-legged Alexa, I guess. I don't know. That's pretty awesome. That gives you like an extra 10 minutes. She's like yeah. your new farm. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, hey, Nancy, I wanted to ask you one of the things you, you touched on it a little bit. You talked about doing the book reading, but I know um, one of the things that I learned from you is that you do spend a lot of time with with kids talking about your books. And if I remember correctly, please, please, by all means, tell me if I if I'm remembering incorrectly. But I think that you were talking about there's the reading piece to kids that you do, but there's also a part about how you produce a book and some of the older kids that you work with or talk to really want to learn about producing a book. So and can you talk a little bit about that and then a little bit about how you got your first book published? I mean, that's pretty cool thing. I'm sure there are lots of Adam, by the way, is also a published author. So um, I am not a published anything. <laughs> I've been in some magazines and a couple of books, but by no means have I taken the leaps that you guys have done, but I'd love to hear a little bit about that um, for, that for our aspiring good. authors and illustrators out there. Absolutely. Um, so I have, I love to do uh, readings at elementary schools and often it's, it, you know, I'll be asked, can you, how should we break up the classes? And what seems to work really well for, and what I found through doing this is that I kind of have three different levels of audience. So kindergartners, first graders, second graders, I'll come in and I'll read the story to them. Uh, the stories are short. They are rhyming in nature and, you know, they're reminiscent in some ways of these kids' favorite, one of their favorite authors, which is Dr. Seuss. So I'll read the story through the first time and then I'll say how I'm going to read this again. And when I get to the second rhyming space, I want you all to jump in and yell out the word. And so they do. And it's a lot of fun that way. And, you know, the teachers really appreciate that, too, because in some ways they're getting a little bit of a of a classroom lesson on yeah. on poetry and rhyming and and they get to become engaged and they get to be an active participant in the reading and um you know and then you know the young kids too the kindergarten first and second graders they love to tell me about their pets so I'll ask them questions about their mm -hmm. animals and what kind of animals they have and I get a lot of enthusiastic hand waving and inevitably they all want to tell everyone in their classes all about the special things their pets do or don't do. So we spend a lot of time doing that with the uh, younger group and they enjoy it. And then, you know, as we get into third and fourth grade level, you know, we do a little bit more and I actually create a presentation where I show them and start talking to them about, you know, you know, how to create their own stories. So I'll ask the question, do any of you like to tell stories or create stories? And they almost all raise their hand. Do you like to draw? And they almost all raise their hand. So, you know, keeping it really simple again for those third and fourth graders, it, it's kind of like, you know, you can do this. So mm -hmm. think about what kinds of things you're interested in, right? So we always say, write about the things you know, the things you love. So what are some things you love? What are the things you know about? Uh, what are three ideas that you have? Pick one and then just quickly write down where you want to start it, where you want to end it, and maybe a middle point. And then, you know, go have fun. 
created. Mm -hmm. And then I show them via the um, presentation how I build a lot of the illustrations and how I incorporate my pastel drawings and then put them together using the computer and how that creates the full spread for each of the pages, how I add the type and how it kind of builds up. And I also show them sort of the inspiration for each of the drawings because, you know, I'll be frank, sometimes I am my own hand model and <laughs> I have been known to chase around animals with my iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> After, you know, certain so jumps and I do my research because I've learned a lot about animal anatomy doing this as well. So, um, yeah, so there's a lot of things to do there and share and it's a lot of fun for them. And then really, you know, by the time I get to the fifth and sixth graders, they are really interested. They love the stories as well, but they're really interested in that point in learning how they can do this for themselves mm -hmm. and being encouraged to make that happen. And so, yeah, they appreciate that even more. And then their questions maybe are more directed towards how do I do things? What programs do I use? How, what do I think about? Um, they have more direct questions about how to create uh, their own books from this, which is also why when people ask me, well, what is the age group for your books? And I say, well, they're very popular for baby shower gifts. So literally they can be, you know, you can read while you're pregnant, I guess. I yeah. did that to our daughter. But, you know, they're great for baby shower gifts. But really through fourth grade is really that target range. And they evolve and use the books differently in that range. Does that cool. answer? So, yeah, question? totally. I, I mean, I think the interesting thing that one of the things that I wanted to uh, pick your brain about a little bit, too, was you talked about that you do the, the illustrations in pastels and then you digitize them um to actually do the layout so you're doing all your own layouts too so in addition to writing and illustrating you're also laying out the book and reading about it and then there's something else that i want to talk about next but you're like i am i am the quintessential entrepreneur and I, love it. I am everything i am the gal who you know goes to you know wraps up the packages puts the stamps on does all the you know product resourcing writes it lays it out does all of the you know finds the printer pays the bills yeah. does the program does everything so it's been a real learning process created my own website laid out my own website created my own blogs i mean it's it's amazing when you decide you want to do a business or start something, uh, just how many additional skills you get to learn a lot. <laughs> sure. I can certainly attest to that. It's no, no, it's no, no easy feat, but it's doable. And I think that's the, that's the cool thing is like, it's doable. People can do it for sure. I think it's wonderful. And like I said, I know so many people now who have taken, you know, the things that they've learned from the career path that they've been on, um, they've combined them with other interests that they've always had and found a way to kind of shift what they're doing and uh, shift their focus and have some fun and get to do a lot of the things that they've always loved to do in some way. And, mm -hmm. I, and that's a wonderful gift. I'm very blessed to be able to have been able to do this. So um, you, you kind of gave me a little bit of a nice segue into the next thing I wanted to talk about. So it's not just books. You also have plush that go along with it. So they're, each one of the books also has a plush dog or now cat that goes along with it. I think one of the things we see in the store is that if, if a child picks up one of those, they're, they're, it's going home with them. Like the, the, the parents are they're in, right? And then generally the book goes with it too. Um, but you told me a funny story a number of months back about, I think it was the hat on talking about everything that you're doing. But can you tell us a little bit about the, the plush that goes along with it and the extra stuff that you're doing there too? So I um, am working with a couple of plush vendors, quality plush vendors who uh, provide the base pups for me at this point. And I'm just now about ready to have them create all of the plush um, from head to toe. But for right now, in addition to being everything else in my business, when I get a large order, it's me sewing all the little hats that I found on the 
and putting all the bandanas on the dogs and printing out the hang tags and punching <laughs> them out, slip packing them and putting all the ribbon sprays on the cats and designing them and the mask and the and the collar. So it really is a handcrafted artisan business yeah. in many ways, but <laughs> it started with a really good base. And I have a couple of really great vendors, both Aurora and Douglas at this point that, that have been just really helpful in, in, in keeping me going, even through some of these supply chain crises that we have. So, yeah, I mean, kids love the books and the plush and, you know, they'll hug them up really close mm -hmm. together. And they like yeah. to hold the plush while they read, or sometimes they just, you know, want just the plush. There's a lot of different reasons for buying the different products. And then this year I added a puzzle, which is, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, it comes in a great little cylinder, so it's easy to travel. But I did it intentionally because, again, if you're traveling, if you're at a resort, if you're going on a plane, it kind of, the finished puzzle fits perfectly on the airline seat uh, tray that, we, that comes down. Okay. Like, That's kind of design. All is being, again, uh, great ideas for kids on the go or if you are... Um, you know, or even at your home, that's fine too. And then I did a reading at our Sandpoint Library and the uh, children's librarian had had set out prior to the reading all these great uh, uh, masks and crayons and oh. some things kids could make their own masks. So the kids had such a great time making their masks first and then listening to the story that I created a little mask kit as well to go with the book so kids can literally make their own you know most wanted mask put it on listen to the story it, it's <laughs> kind of about in the same range as maybe like a papyrus uh, gift card so if you think of it as a gift card item but it's a nice little add-on and again it's a nice little activity it takes like maybe 10 or 15 minutes. So again, how, how do we keep this young audience really engaged and, and make this really a fun experience for them? So, yeah. I, I think what's interesting hearing you talk about all of this uh, is that there's also, I mean, you've clearly tapped into being a mom too. Like the, your experience is being a mom, knowing what, you know, what will keep kids engaged. Even the fact that you said, you know, it's a 10 or 15 minute project. Like some kids, that's about all you're getting. And after 10 or 15 <laughs> minutes, they're on to the next thing. But it's it's really interesting how, you, you know, there's so many parts of your life that you've really tapped into um, to kind of pull it all together and, and, and make it, and, you know, make it kind of this new thing. And I think a number of the entrepreneurs that we talked to have done something else first and then have found a, a true passion or purpose um, later in, you know, ab after their career or in a later part of their career, that's really I mean, it's so interesting and fun for me to watch you talk about this and, and the joy that clearly you get from doing it is, is so apparent. And, and I wish our, our listeners could see because it's there, there's I'm sure they're hearing it in your voice, too. But there's such a joy that, um, you know, clearly you have by by getting to do what you do. And I love it. I think it's it's so fun. So, yeah, congratulations on on being able to find something else that you love, probably as much as you loved your first career, maybe even more. Yeah, very well, much so. Nancy, I'm curious, there's, so you can be just a children's book author. You don't have to become a, a toy maker and a publisher and, and, you know, a supply <laughs> vendor. Why, why are you doing it the, the harder way, as some might say? Really good question. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's, maybe that's because I was in retail for as long as I was that, uh, you know, it's always about what's the next product and what are you going at, um, add to it. And Harry, I remember you asking me, well, what's coming up, what's going to be yeah. new. And it's like, yeah. okay, well, <laughs> it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of make this, um, a little bit broader and add these companion pieces again, just to kind of, you know, round it out. And, it is, it's a real, it's been, like I said, a really interesting journey for anyone who's thinking about being an entrepreneur and you have a great idea, you, know, you always hear and it always sounds really kind of like, huh, yeah, right. But mm. it is a lot of work. So if you were going to ask me what one of my biggest challenges is at the moment, I would say it's time. You know, I have a sure. lot of ideas for the things that I want to mm -hmm. do with the series. It's really about just getting the time to get all of it put together and, and find a way to build it and 
and take it to the next level. So it's, but it's a lot of fun and I enjoy it and I get a real kick out of doing it. And I love to see, you know, really, I guess I just really love to see what happens when I watch kids engage with this and the way that they learn and just the, you know, the way that they, you know, they, they just love the stories and that kind of is really fulfilling in so many ways. And and to your point, Harry, it is an opportunity in some ways to feel like, you know, you're giving back to your Mm -hmm. community in some way that you're creating a product that has a positive use and is going to, you know, maybe inspire or teach um, someone else uh, some new thing that they didn't know before. Like, why do your dogs take your socks? (laughs) (laughs) Why? Why? And why should you make sure you have the right size uh, ball for your uh, for your pet? Uh, you know, and it was great to hear even from my family vet some of the stories of the animals that would come into the vet clinic who, you know, he'd have to save. He actually did ribbon extractions from cats. I think he had two of them in one day. Uh, he had German Shepherd. He was not friendly and did not like him at all was brought in by his family. He was turning actually literally blue because he'd swallowed a tennis ball and it was stuck in his throat. And, you know, quickly thinking, you know, Dr. Harrison grabbed his forceps and put his, you know, hand right up and over the roof of his mouth, reached down his throat, pulled out the ball and as as the dog had it out of there, he immediately grabbed up at Dr. (laughs) Harrison, right? But, you know, you don't always think about those things um, with your pets and it's, it's just really important. Mm-hmm. So. Definitely. And, and I think even you, you sort of even take all of that education that one step further by getting to do the readings too. So to Adam's point, like you could just be an author, but it's not just about that for you. I, you know, it's so uh, such a nice full 360 approach that you're taking. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I'm anxious to see uh, this next collection that you're going to come up with, because I think that you've already built a great platform and, and, you know, you, I, I'm imagining that you probably have a pretty good following so far that I'm not the only one that's wondering what's coming next. Um, it's going to be fun. I'm going to be excited. I'm going to take, I think this year, like I said, we just moved here back here to Idaho. Um, and this year is really about getting um, some things settled in our family, family's life, getting resettled and getting yeah. real traction with this current series. But um, then I would say the next year year and a half here you'll yeah. see what's coming good. next year good, so good. Happen. um you know it's it's fun to do the school readings and engage with the kids um it's also been fun to find other ways to extend these books into some other areas as well so mm-hmm. in when we were living in texas i was um a co-chair for American Heart Association, uh, Go Red for Women, and we do an annual luncheon. And mm-hmm. we always come up with auction items for the silent bid. And so when I started the Ball Bandit book, I thought, well, okay. I'll, <laughs> and you kind of worry because it's part of you, right? You're afraid people <laughs> reject you. Nobody's going to want what you're going to offer. But <laughs> I offered up an auction item. Classic writer uh, right there. You right. won, <laughs> won the did I would put your pet in the story and get signed copies and I was so happy because it really did bid out really well and was (laughs) a good item for the American Heart Association so I was happy for that and then you know it wasn't just one dog in the end because when I went to um, meet the uh, woman who won the uh, the auction item she goes well I have this other dog and they've been best (laughs) friends forever looking at the dogs I'm looking at her and I'm like okay well I'll put them both in the book so they're (laughs) so but it was it's fun so it's fun to see you know how I can take these um books and take this series and do other things with them which also brought me then to um something that I was doing this holiday up here in Sandpoint and there is a um, animal shelter here. It's the Better Together Animal Alliance. And I went to mm-hmm. a fundraiser for them last fall. And one of the programs that they've created here in Sandpoint, Idaho, is a program called Home to Home. And it's really based around a simple idea of 
you know, when a pet can no longer stay in their current home for whatever reason, right? Um, there's a lot of reasons why people, you know, have to, you know, unfortunately give up a pet. Someone dies, someone's sick, someone's old, they're moving too far away. Uh, what this program does is it allows people to hop on a digital platform and find these animals who are looking for a new home and then literally bypass the shelter. So these pets can be either fostered or adopted straight into another home. And it's wow. a really simple idea, but it's a great one and mm -hmm. it's growing and it's already in, I think like over 80 different shelters across North America and Canada. And, you know, it's just, it's such a, a great extension again. So these books give, um, give me a really big platform to be able to either engage in things for kids, be able to engage in things that help animals, in this case, help um, our local animal shelter continue to develop this amazing digital program and digital mm -hmm. app and platform uh, that is, you know, growing across the country and really doing a lot of good for animals. That's great. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing how digital like, things are changing so much with even with pets, right? I mean, you th like, we all live in this digital world anyway, but it's even to think about it happening with pets is really, really great. That's fantastic. Um, actually, one of one of the co-founders of Vera Bradley, had her her there's a, she has an adopted grand dog that um, was was displaced from its family as a result of a hurricane. And the family, you know, they lost their home and they couldn't take care of the pet as they were getting relocated and what have you. And, and the dog ended up getting adopted by, you know, into her family. So she calls it her, her grand dog, but um, it's, it's fantastic to see things like that happening. And, um, you know, you hear so many other negative things about, you know, unfortunate situations for animals. It's great that these, there continue to be advancements uh, for, for pets too. So yeah, pretty exciting. I am. I have a, another question for you. Back on the um, illustration piece and the writing piece for a minute, um, because I know where you know you talked earlier on about your your degree. Do, when you're doing the books, do you do you do the illustration, some of the illustration first, or do you do the, all of the writing first, or does it kind of is it blended, or how does that happen? How does how does that process work for you? Um, I kind of found a through trial and error, what I think is the best process at this point, <laughs> uh, which is that I write the story first. Um, and each of the books has the same number of uh, pages dedicated to the story piece. Um, mm -hmm. So the, the stories are approximately the same length. So I write the story first, I nuance that quite a bit. And then from there, uh, what I've again, learn through trial and error is to <laughs> kind of just in my mind, kind of write out and kind of sketch out really quickly ideas for each of those spreads. Um, a spread is two pages, like when you open it up the left side and the right side for anybody who is wondering what a spread is. But um, so I kind of just quickly draw it. If you saw my drawing, you would not at that point recognize it as, <laughs> as anyone who used to work for me on my creative teams would attest that uh, my scribbles in pencil to indicate, you know, people, animals, movements are, are kind of look like doctor's signatures. <laughs> <laughs> I could say I'm guilty of that too. The difference is yours turn into something beautiful and I still can't draw. <laughs> so, and then from I mean, I, then I just really go out and I find I do the research. So I do the research on whether it's, um, you know, looking at, at photos or finding friends who have pets, but it's then the photo standpoint and trying to get all my research together so that I can draw these animals. Um, in the case of the 18 dogs and the ball bandit, it was reaching out to them, <laughs> getting a lot of submissions. And what I did learn in the process in that book is that it's one thing when you're drawing, a, you know, something for yourself and you only have you to please. Like I only had it was only me that had to worry whether or not I thought Noah looked cute or not or or Aggie looked cute or Flynn looked cute in the stories. But yeah. <laughs> when you're drawing your friend's pet, <laughs> I yeah. did send out the drawings and the illustrations before I finalized it all to get their approval and, <laughs> and and you would be surprised but I did get feedback I made some changes 
<laughs> like, I'd go back and I'd nuance it, send it back. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, here we so go. So Pippin has a twinkle in his eye that I don't think that you caught. If you could just, you know, add that back. <laughs> a little longer. <laughs> That's also, funny. But the most, for the most part, they were all like, you know, really, really supportive. And I'm just really happy to have their pups uh, featured in the books. And then I sent them those illustrations so that they could um, frame them and I signed them for them. So they have them forever. So that was fun. It was a, it was a fun thing. So, yeah. So then I do the illustrations and then I, uh, you guys can shorten it, edit this, I hope, but uh, then they all get photographed and I photographed those illustrations. That was its own learning lesson. I hate to say this is a spoiled ex-executive in creative services. You find out real quickly, like, it's not that easy just to go send it down to the studio and have it shot. Yeah. <laughs> not so easy. Not so yeah, easy. so I, I was doing that myself. And then, you know, then you've got to download it into your program. And again, as, you know, somebody who was more on the directing end than on the doing end, I've also had to learn illustrator. <laughs> design and photoshop in the last couple of years so then you like lay all those out and then on top of that you learn production so any of you who are in the creative world who who um who know what i'm talking about here it's it's the actual it's not just good enough to have it look pretty on a computer uh, screen you have to have all of everything set up perfectly and in the right formats for the printer so that you can ensure that you're going to have a positive <laughs> result <laughs> when it comes <laughs> off the presses. So there was a lot of that too. That's funny. It's, it's pretty amazing though, what, what it takes to, to get from zero to retail, right? And you've done it now three times over plus puzzles, plus game, you know, just like keep it coming. Um, so it, when you're not drawing pets, what else is like, what other subjects do you like to draw? Right now, I haven't been, well, actually, right now, what I'm like creatively focused on, it has nothing to do with pets. It's about, uh, like I said, our we moved back here to Idaho, and we are building a house. So my creative oh. energy has been around designing um, with our- So now uh, you have to learn blueprints, building houses. Yeah. I did. <laughs> uh, the title stone the types of quartz the you know picking the 80 million tile samples and you know and because the house is we it's again it's it's a dream come true honestly it's like I my husband when I met him said you know I'll build you the house of your dreams well I created some insane thing that and he looked at me and said you think we can do this in under 3,000 square feet and I was like <laughs> but um yeah, so it's it's a fairly simple design, but in working with the architect here who has become a good friend, you know, you measure everything because it's all on you. And if you end up in your hallways too narrow or you open the door and it bangs into something or, you know, you going from 2D to 3D is one of the scariest things ever. And I think if I take that back to the book creating process. I think one of the the moments that's always the hardest for me and takes me a minute before I jump in is going from having the pencil sketches all in place, having the book completely written, having even those pencil uh, sketches and the writings uh, kind of laid out in a layout online or on the computer is picking up that pastel mm -hmm. and looking at a blank piece of paper and diving in. Because, you know, if, if you are the, these aren't just, these aren't computer illustrations and each one takes, you know, an hour and a half, sometimes an hour to do, and there's no turning back. <laughs> it's like, once <laughs> that first stroke that passed out goes down, there's no magic eraser on the computer screen. Right? <laughs> I mean, and you're not just doing it once for a book, you're doing it sometimes, you know, 70, 80, in the case of, you know, the ball bandit, I think it was like 100 and 110 times you're sitting down wow. and you've got that blank piece of paper just daring you. Staring at you. 
Um, and Nancy, before we wrap up, I wanted to pick your brain a little bit about retail because you spent a lot of time in retail and, um, you know, I, I know that you're doing this, this book, uh, business now, which is, I hate to even call it a business because it sounds like you'd love it so much. It should, business might give it a, a formal negative connotation, but I'm, I'm super excited for you that you found it, but think, thinking back on your retail career, which, you know, you said you 25 years at Victoria's Secret. When when we first started talking about good market and and you know we were talking about you being a founding partner with us, which by the way, thank you for believing in us and believing in this crazy dream. What were you thinking about how retail was changing? You know, we were mid-pandemic when we first talked, I think, and and we got connected by a, a good friend of both of ours, Sharon Lassard, who is has also. I mean, it'd be interesting to hear Sharon's take on this too, but. Um, what were you thinking was going on with retail when we were first talking and how, how has, you know, your, your knowledge of retail, how has it changed your perception about kind of how the world is today, knowing that, you know, you're hanging out in a, in a store with all of these purpose-driven brands and we're creating this really exciting new community, in my opinion, of, um, you know, this, this very different approach to retail, but curious your, your thoughts on it, because you've got, you've had a fantastic career in retail too. So I'd love to, love to hear. You know, um, during my years with Victoria's Secret, uh, I've, I've shared this with many people. I always saw that brand as a cosmetic brand. And I always felt that everything that we created was for the purpose of making women feel more beautiful, more special, more self-confident, more sexy for themselves. Uh, that was my mindset. Um, you know, other people may have had different mindsets, but that was always, you know, in the back of our minds creatively. And, you know, we always felt like we had a win when we kind of crossed, uh, when we were able to fulfill, you know, different thought bubbles for different people for why mm -hmm. they were looking at what they were looking at. And, you know, when we felt like we were really kind of, you know, working with, you know, the, the best fashion photographers and, these amazing models, a lot of whom we brought into the business and created names for, uh, that we were, you know, we had exciting days where people didn't even want to take lunch and because we were creating beautiful photos, um, beautiful photos that were inspired that way. So, you know, had that piece of it. So there was a purpose, I guess, always in, in, in my mind that was always mm -hmm. positive for work I've done for any business or brand I've created. Um, or worked on. So whether that was, you know, even more recently, the vitamin shop, uh, you know, helping them rebrand as they went into the future, like what is the thing that's, that's great for the client, um, for our customer and how's this going to make their life better. And I think, you know, to your point, Harry, um, good market really encapsulates that and makes it not just, you know, a thought bubble in, you know, somebody's brain as a you know, here's my reason why, maybe not your reason why, but I think a good market really brings to the forefront that uh, businesses are focused on that today, that it's not just a secondary thing that comes up because somewhere down the line, somebody says, oh, hey, let's do something. But as people are actually creating products today, part of their thought in creation of those products is you know, how's this going to help others? How's this mm -hmm. going to make somebody else's life better? And to, as yes. a retailer, to be able to, you know, take those um, ideas and put them together is, I think, really brave and, and wonderful. And, you know, clearly, you know, having been in the good market store, seeing the website, it's beautiful. It's beautifully mm -hmm. done, beautifully designed. Hats off to Thank all you. of you couldn't be more thrilled being part of it. Um, and honestly, frankly, in some ways, you know, you've also challenged me a little bit. I, I'll, I'll be frank. I think, you know, I, I continue, I, I'll just say it. I'm going to give you guys credit for this. I think some of the things that I'm thinking about of how I can continue to leverage this book series or the things that I'm creating, whether that's through helping, uh, you know, small programs like home to home become bigger or whether it's, you know, helping, well, it, 
I didn't know you when I did the American Heart Association auction or the kids um, or the elementary school. But I say, you know, I'll give you guys credit. I think a little bit of the inspiration for Home Dome and becoming a part of that really wonderful organization and thinking, how could I do what I do and help somebody else um, is inspired by you. So I think it's an inspiring um, retail idea. Cool. Thank you. Glad I mean I appreciate it and and like I said thank you for believing in it too early on I mean you were right there with us and there was never a there was never even a pause when we talked about it you're like yeah I'm in let's do it let's go um, so yeah we appreciate it so um, with that I, I you know we we always like to wrap up our podcast with our five goodbye questions and I know you've had the opportunity to listen to a couple of them so uh, we'll assume that you you're hearing them for the first time. Um, but we we love these five questions. Adam will take the first four, and then I'll I'll take the last one. But um, oh boy. ready to go with the, with the goodbye questions? Sure, I'm so bad at these guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> in advance, I apologize. Oh, they'll be fun. I Don't the apologize. Of, like Vanity Fair, and they're always so witty and quippy, and I'm always like, I'm could <laughs> never be that bright. But okay, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, we'll put it to the test. So Nancy, the first one. What does doing good mean to you? Doing good to me means bringing a little bit of something positive to somebody else or to your world, um, if you can, every single day. I agree. It's a great one. Second, second question. What one word describes what you're doing at NB Kids? Long pause. One <laughs> you guys, I'm a creative. We, my nature used multiple words. And <laughs> I feel like this generally has the longest pause. It's either always. right there or it's always the longest pause. Yeah, yeah. Um, how about three? Fulfilling a dream and fun. <laughs> cool. We'll that let works. you have that. That's good. <laughs> Question number three. All the time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Question number three. If you could say one good thing to someone, what would it be? And to whom would you say it? Oh, wow. This is my chance to be inspiring. Um, <laughs> that's really what I would say. I'd say, you know what? Never lose track and never lose sight of your dreams. And if you can't have it now, maybe you have it <laughs> many years later. Um, but you know what? Uh, chase your dreams and and don't be deterred. Um, de I can't say that word. Don't be. Uh, don't let any obstacles get in your way. Just make your progress keep moving forward toward it. And, um, you know, you're gonna, it, it'll work out. It just does somehow. I don't know. <laughs> All your dreams. I'd, yeah. say that, yeah. I'd say that to any young audience today, but I'd also say it to my good friends too, who are also looking at new career paths and doing new things. So there you go. Good, good, good. good. All right. Question number four, what is a good quote you think about a lot? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I don't have any quotes for you. Uh, that's like asking me to tell you a joke. <laughs> you can do that instead if you'd like. And you, and you heard a joke and you had a good joke. And then someone goes, tell me a joke. And all of a sudden you just look at him like, I don't know. What does uh, an elephant <laughs> do when he's going on vacation? And then you remember <laughs> the punchline is he packs his trunk. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take the joke. That's great. You know what? There was, I'm trying to think. I think, I know, well, I don't know. I don't think it was a quote, but I think the one that most like struck me was Betty White. 
you know, I have to say like Betty White just never seemed to have anybody who didn't like her, which is <laughs> amazing given how long she was in, you know, her field. Um, yeah. But I love that idea that, you know, she, she could have her, her vodka and her hot dog and, and just always brought some positivity to, to people and to the, the world around her. So I guess think positive. Um, that's mm. a good one. Think positive, people. It took me a long time to get there. And you got a joke. <laughs> <laughs> and we got a joke. We got a joke for free. So I'll I'll take the last one. So um this will be an interesting one for you too, because you are a storyteller. Uh, you know, a, a large part of our focus at Good Market is telling the stories of our brands and our partners and our, you know, the founders that have created these products. And so um, storytelling is, is kind of key to everything we do. And so I, I want to ask you, uh, if you had to pick someone to tell your story, who would you pick to tell the Nancy Binger story and why would you pick them? Boy, now if you'd asked me who I would have shoot my portrait, I'd tell you <laughs> it's going to be Dominic, Dominique Isserman um, because she feels always shot the most beautiful black and white photos of everyone. Um, so yeah, with that hands down, I would say that, you know what, I'd have my friend, Joanna Felder, who um, I worked with for a number of years at Victoria's Secret. I have her tell my story because she is extremely eloquent and she's very funny and witty and she's very kind and she likes me. <laughs> <laughs> But she and I, uh, she actually wrote the first Who is Victoria story when we um, were at Victoria's Secret together. And I had pulled all the photos and laid it all out. So I guess I've been putting together stories for a long time. So, yeah, I have Joanna write my story, Harry. That's cool. <laughs> Maybe you should have her write your story and you should illustrate it. Um, there you go. That's <laughs> that would <well>. be fun. <laughs> yeah, you know why? Because I can make me look however I want exactly <laughs> that's your story you can do what you want that's right you can tell your story your way uh I'm excited for my my kids to hear this podcast too because I think that your creative inspiration is going to be great for them they're at, kind of outside of the range of your books but they were fortunate to be able to have the books early on when we first met and um, my daughter especially has stayed and hopefully will continue to stay creative like you have done with your life I hope she does the same thing so I'm excited for her to hear um, you talking about drawing and, and writing books and, and publishing books and sewing hats on plush I think it's, it's a really really fun story so thank you so much for taking time much continued good luck I can't wait to see what's next Keep giving us great stuff. We'll keep selling your great stuff so you can keep doing more good. Hey, you know what, guys, too? This was a pleasure. Thank you so much, John, Adam, and Harry today. Um, have a great, great week. Thanks, Nancy. Take care. You too, Bye. Nancy. Thank you. Bye.